What I want to talk about is, uh, for the next couple of weeks, is the idea of community. Community, which is not an easy word for me to say for some reason, I don't know, but it's community, Acts chapter 2. Um, and so we all know that next week uh, we're going back to the church, meeting in person. So, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to kind of miss coming here, to be honest with you. Um, I'm going to miss being here with you guys, uh, sitting in the living room. I could do without the computer sitting in front of me, I'll be honest with you, but um, I am going to miss being in here um, at the Kyle's house on Wednesday night. Um, I enjoy, don't get me wrong, I do enjoy our time at church. You know, that's it's special in, in, its, own, in its own way. Uh, but being here is obviously, it's more intimate. Um, you know, when we come together in a house, in a home, and it really has more of the family feel, right? It's less of an event. You know, church a lot of times feels like an event that we go to, um, but this definitely feels more like a family gathering versus just let's all go to church. So, um, and, and as we just sang about, you know, we are considered a family. As a follower of Jesus, uh, we're adopted into his family, um, as a child of God, and we are brothers and sisters and co-heirs with Jesus. Like, we are a family. And uh, we were not saved to do life on our own. Um, Christianity is a team sport. Uh, we need each other uh, to encourage, to support, to love, to disciple, to keep accountable. And we need each other to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible speaks a lot about the idea of being together in community, and we will go over that over the next several weeks. Um, but tonight we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory about where we're at. We're going to start in verse 42, uh, what's going on up to this point. So this is right after Pentecost. So this is uh, Peter and the apostles. They were up in a room, and they were praying, and uh, they were praying, and the Holy Spirit came. That's when the Holy Spirit came to, to dwell within us on this earth. And there was a bunch of people there, like thousands and thousands of people had come to Jerusalem and they all spoke different languages. They came from all over the world. And uh, Peter and the uh, apostles just started preaching and everyone heard the message in their own language. Like they were talking like I'm talking right now, but everyone heard it in their own language, which is a, a mighty miracle of the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, 3,000 people got saved. It says 3,000 people came to know Christ. They, they taught uh, the Old Testament and how it was a precursor to Jesus and that Jesus was the promised one, that Jesus died to pay for all of man's sins, that he rose from the grave three days later, and that all men must repent and believe in Jesus. And from that message, 3,000 people got saved and baptized. So that picks us up in verse 42, and you want to read verse 42 for us? All right, go ahead, Kins. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and, the, and in the prayers. Okay. So what did it say about, uh, what was the first line in your, your version? Um, they continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly. So in mine, it says they devoted themselves. So I, I like how you said they stayed, they were, um, what was it again? Steadfast. steadfast, steadfast. They were steadfast. Mine says devoted, but um, yours might say committed, right? But devoted and steadfast, just it means the same thing. They spent their time. They were committed to this. And, what, and, and if you think about that, 
what we care about the most in our life gets the most of our time, right? What we care about most gets the most of our time. We devote or we commit ourselves to what's most important to us. I'm not talking about things that you have to do like school and work, right? We don't like those things. Well, some people do. I don't know. They're weird. But, but anyway, but the things that we don't have to do, but we spend our time doing because we want to do, right? Those are the things that we are committed to, we're devoted to. And I want you to think about this just to yourself. Don't say it out loud, but just think to yourself, what do you choose to spend the majority of your time doing? What do you spend the majority of your time doing that you have a choice to spend your time doing? To them, to them, they devoted themselves, they committed themselves, it says, to the apostles' teaching. And the apostles' teaching uh, was, well, it's primarily what Jesus taught them, right? They taught what Jesus taught them. And most of, most of the people in this time frame and the people that grew up where Jesus grew up, they, uh, by the time they were about 13 years old, they had the entire first five books of the Old Testament memorized. That was just their way of life. So, and they didn't have what we had. They didn't have the Bible. They had, to, they, they told stories based on what happened and it was passed by word of mouth. The entire Old Testament was most of the time memorized by people, right? So they had this Old Testament knowledge that they knew and that how it pointed to Jesus. They taught what Jesus taught. They taught the Old Testament and they primarily taught the gospel, so in essence, they were teaching the whole word of God that was known up to that point in history. So that was their teachings. And it says that these 3,000 people that just got saved and baptized, this was an event that just occurred. They just got saved. What did they do? They committed and devoted themselves to the word of God. That was most important to them. It also says that they were uh, in fellowship which means being together as the body and the bride of Christ. That's what we're talking about tonight. Being in community, uh, being together under the teaching of the word of God and just fellowshipping, just spending time getting to know one another, learning what, what they like and what they dislike and just becoming a family. Um, it says the breaking of bread. And most of the time when you think breaking of bread, you think of what? Eating, right? And we find out later that they did eat together, but in this particular context of Scripture, most historians believe that they're talking primarily about the Lord's Supper. When it talks about breaking of bread, when Jesus says, when you break this bread, it's as my body is being broken. And the reason they did this is because the, the Lord's Supper is what he instituted before his death was a picture or representation of the death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And they wanted to remember it so much that they did this almost on a daily basis. And honestly, I kind of think the Catholics get it right here. The Catholics have uh, communion or the Lord's Supper every time they meet. And I kind of think that's a great idea. I think we should do that, right? I think that, I mean, we might run out of bread and wine real fast, but, or grape juice because we're <laughs> Baptists. But we might, you know, anyway, um, I think we should do that. And the reason that we do it is to remember what Jesus did for us. Now they take it a little further. They take it that they're literally eating his flesh and literally drinking his blood. So that's a little far-fetched because to us, it's a representation, right? So, 
you know, we're not literally eating him, but, um, but I think they get it right in the fact that they do it every service in order for us to remember. And I don't know about you, but when we take the Lord's Supper, it, it, it's very special to me because we're sitting there, we're, we're thinking about that this, this bread is his body that he broke. He willingly put on a cross for us. And the blood is represented in the juice that we drink. He, he spilled his blood so that we could be washed of all of our sins. So they, they did, they, they partook in the Lord's Supper. Uh, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Um, it says in prayers, we talk about this a lot. Prayer is so important for us, right? And it's incredibly important for us to do both privately and corporately. What we just did, praying for each other, learning what's going on in each other's lives so that we can continue to pray for each other, thanking God, talking to him. Pastor Bobby Schuler says, prayer is like breathing. It should come naturally, happen continually, and we die spiritually without it. It should just come naturally. We can talk to each other, right? I mean, we talk to each other a lot. And prayer is talking to God. We talk to him. And you don't have to, like, change your verbiage when you talk to God. That's one of the things that always drove me crazy growing up, like, listening to people pray in church. Like, they talk like this, like normal human beings, but then they get up to pray. It's like, thou art holy God, and they get King James Version on you. And it's just like, are you serious right now? Like, who are you talking to? Who are you trying to impress right now? God knows you. But we just talk to him like normal. And so we have to have prayer. Verse 40, uh, 43 says, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. My version says, And all came upon every soul. Your minds, yours might say, And fear came upon them. Okay? And that's not talking about the fear like, Oh, I'm scared. It's talking about like the fear that's found in Proverbs 1, where it says, it's this reverential awe. I'm in awe of who God is. And because I'm so in awe of who God, have you ever just been in awe of something, something like, I don't know, something's really beautiful or something was so magical or something was so glorious, right? Maybe, I don't know. Yes. Okay. Now, now multiply that by like a million, okay? And that is you're in awe. They, they are and feeling of awe of who God is. They're amazed by God. And the reason why is because of the miracles being seen. And um, the, it says that many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And signs and wonders were gifted by God to the apostles to help them spread the gospel. That was the point of it. The point of it was not to do a bunch of cool parlor tricks and and make people jump up and down that were, you know, you know, like a Benny Hinn type thing where they, you know, wave their coat and all of a sudden they just stand up, right? It's, not, it's nothing crazy like that. The point of it was not to bring attention to themselves as we see in scripture, right? It says right here, they did these things to bring honor and awe and reverence to God, who God was. And so the point of it was to help spread the gospel and bring credibility to them. Why? Because they didn't have the Bible at this time. They couldn't say, well, Paul said in Galatians, because that hadn't been written yet. No, you know, Paul was still a Pharisee, okay? So th they didn't have the Bible. But now, in our place in history, where we are, we have the Word of God. 
We have the, the, the words from a loving God written out to us. We have the blessing of the Bible in our language, and it's through the preaching of the word of God that people get saved. The Bible says that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. They go, and, and when you get saved, you go from death to life. You are resurrected. That is a miracle. That is a miracle. To see someone go from a, a point where they realize that they need a savior, that they cannot save themselves, that they're going to hell and they do not have a relationship with God, and the only way to have that relationship is through Jesus Christ, is a miracle for you to get out of yourself and, and remove yourself from this I am God mentality and know that he is God is a miracle. And that's the miracle that we have now. That's the signs and wonders that we have now. And that is what makes us in awe of who God is. This might be a really bad example, and it just came to my mind, and I didn't write it down. Maybe I shouldn't say it. But, you know, it, it kind of makes me think of someone like Kanye West, right? For the longest time, he thought he was God. Listen to his lyrics, okay? But recently, he, from what I've seen, has come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, his theology might be not the same as mine, and that's okay. If he understands his need for Jesus, then praise God. And that is a miracle. Regardless of who, how you think about him or his music, it's a miracle that someone in that nature would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's a miracle. And we should be in awe that something like that could happen. Verse 44, it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. It says they were together. They were in one place. They had close fellowship. Another way to say that is they had this bond or a camaraderie. You know what camaraderie means? It's, it's a trust and a friendship of people who spend a lot of time together. That's what the, the definition is. A camaraderie is a trust that's developed over time with people you spend time with. It says they had all things in common. Now, that doesn't mean that they all liked the exact same things. Because the first you read that, you're like, well, I don't like the stuff you like. And that's okay. They didn't all watch the same shows. They didn't all listen to the same music. What it means is that they shared everything amongst each other. That's what it means to have everything in common. That they voluntarily and out of love for each other shared everything. That comment, you ever heard of the me casa, su casa kind of thing? Like when you come here and the Kyle will say, you're at home, help yourself kind of thing, right? Basically what it means is what I have, what I have, I share it willingly with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And the reason I do that is because I realize that what I have is not really mine anyway, and it belongs to God, and he is sovereign and over all things, right? So it's not even mine to begin with. It's God's. So because of that, I share it willingly and freely and voluntarily with everyone. So they have all things in common. Verse 45, it says, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. In other words, 
They were providing for the needs of each other, both physically and financially. They weren't just like all talk and no action. To them, they were all action and very little talk. They were, you ever heard the term, you know, that guy would give his, the shirt off, off, uh, off his back mm -hmm. for you? That's what they were doing. Literally, it says they were selling their stuff so that they could help other people. They didn't just set up like a GoFundMe page. They were literally selling their belongings so that they could give to other people. They loved each other and they proved they loved each other by their actions and they gave freely and willingly. Again, because it was all God's, right? It's all God's. Verse 46, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So every day they went to church. Every day. And it's really hard for, for me to get people to come to a service twice a week. Look around you. These are the same people that are going to be here on Sunday. Not trying to be rude. I'm just calling like it is. They went to church every day with each other. And then it says they went to each other's homes to eat together. Now, I really like that part a lot. They went to church, they heard the word of God, and then decided, hey, let's go have some food. And they went to each other's homes. They took turns, which I'm sure the Kyles would love to do take turns because we always come here. And we'll have a house soon and we can do that, I promise. But they took turns, they rotated houses, they went and ate together. It says they ate with glad and generous hearts. The word glad also means joyful. A couple weeks ago when I preached, we talked about where joy came from. And joy comes from your vertical focus. It has to do with your relationship with God. And you are filled with the joy of Christ. Because once you realize who you are in God, we just, we just sang about it. I am who you say I am. And when you realize and you study the word of God and you, and you understand what, who you are in Christ, I don't even have time to go into all the verses that talk about it. I wish I did, but I, I've already lost your attention already. So I won't go into it. But once you study the word of God, then you can realize that you are fully loved, you are fully forgiven, and you're fully accepted. So you have joy. And generous hearts. Generous means sincere. Sincere means you're not fake. You're real. You're honest because real change is evident. Real change is evident and it's natural. It's not playing a part. It's not putting on a mask and, you know, pretending to be something you're not. And you don't do it out of obligation. Like, oh, I have to go to church. Oh, I got to go to church. Oh, I got to get up and go to church. Oh, I got to go hang out at the Kyle's house. Oh, I have to give. I don't do it at obligation. I do it because I, I have a joyful heart. And, and I'm real. And it's a real change. And, you know, so, so, so often when we see people who are like this, who are real and they're joyful, so often we... Most of us have this negative connotation in life generally. And so when people are acting that way, we kind of make fun of them. You know, like, 
what's wrong with them. They can't be happy all the time. Let me help them come down from their high by being a jerk to them. But if we were truly changed, wouldn't we maybe behave that way sometimes? Maybe not all the time. We all have our bad days, right? But maybe sometimes, wouldn't we like take off the negativity for a minute and just be happy that we're, you know, I don't know, saved and not going to hell? That's a happy thing, right? That's something to be joyful about. It was really hot Saturday. And I was outside. And I was like, thank God I'm going to heaven. Because hell's going to be worse. All right, live in Florida, you'll understand. Verse 47, it says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Praising God. Praising God is a natural byproduct of a changed heart. Praising God is a natural byproduct of a changed heart. Because to me, this tells me that they didn't just like walk down an aisle. They didn't just get dumped to get dumped. They didn't just join the church. There was an actual heart change in them. That now the only thing that they can do is praise God. And I want to go to church and I want to hang out with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And I want to praise God. And I want to give to, to my church. And I want to give to my brothers and sisters and help them out of a genuine loving heart. It says that they, they were having favor with all people. It means that they were liked by or they were looked at favorably. By outsiders, by non-Christians. And we should be known by our love for each other and for our praise of God. But how often do you hear the stereotype that people know Christians by everything they're against, right? Uh, Christians, they, they just, they, a lot of Christians I know, they like to stir up the pot and get people angry. That's their whole goal in life is just to make people angry. So they post stuff on social media just to stir the pot. I just felt like I had to say it. Instead of being known as loving, being known as someone who just praises God. So they have favor because you know what? They're not trying to stir the pot. They're just trying to love. They're just trying to share Jesus. It says the Lord added to their number. And the reason why it says the Lord added instead of just, because they could have easily said, and more people got saved. And it would have been true. But instead it takes the focus off of the people and back onto God, right? It says, by the way, the people, they're doing great stuff, but it's all because of Jesus. The Lord added to their number day by day because it's the Lord who initiates salvation. Jesus he came first, remember? He came to this earth to die on the cross. He, came, he moved first. He calls you to repentance, and then we respond to his calling. He initiates it. He takes the first step. First John says that we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. John, uh, Jesus says in John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And before I go on reading, I just want you to think about that for a second. Let that, let that just kind of settle in your brain. Jesus says, the way that I have loved you, you need to love each other. 
that's convicting. That convicts me reading this, and I'm like, how can I sit up here and read this to you? This is so convicting. Jesus loved sacrificially. Jesus loved unconditionally. And Jesus loves completely. And he says for us to love others, love each other that way. Other believers. And then he says this, by this, by you loving each other that way, all people will know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another. By our love for each other, all people will know that we belong to Jesus. It's almost like we're a patch on our shirt that says, I am a child of God. We won't even have to say it. They'll just see it. So the point of tonight is this. We are family. We are family. We need each other. And we love each other in order to show Jesus to the world. We are family. We need each other. And we love each other in order to show Jesus to the world. And I wanted tonight to be short so that the rest of the night we can just spend fellowshipping, breaking bread, and enjoying each other's company. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for each student who is here. I thank you for the students who are uh, signed into Zoom, who are uh, being a part of this, even though they can't be here. God, I just pray that you would bless each student, each adult, each person that's listening right now. God, I just pray that we will understand and appreciate each other as a family, as a body of, of believers, as the bride of Christ. I pray that we could do what you commanded us to do, to love each other the way you loved us. That is such a heavy, heavy, heavy pill to swallow. And, and I sit here feeling very convicted because of that. And I pray, God, that you will change us. Change us to be more like the image of your son. God, help us to portray Christ in the way we treat each other above all. And that our love for each other will share the gospel with those who don't know you. And I pray that if there's anyone right here who can hear my voice, who has never committed their life to you, they've never repented of their sin, they've never trusted in you, they've never uh, surrendered to you, that they will do that, become a part of the family, and that we will love them with, and accept them with open arms exactly where they're at in their life and love them and help them see how good you are. And I pray we can just rejoice over that. Rejoice and be in awe of how great you are because a life has been changed and a soul has been saved because you initiated that. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.